Hello, and welcome to Everyday Medicine. I'm Dr. Luke, and in this podcast series, I'll be sharing conversations with colleagues, exploring their special interests in medicine and bringing insights, ideas, and advice for your medical practice. In the podcast today, we'll be discussing robotic-assisted surgery. Robotic surgery allows doctors to perform complex procedures with more precision, flexibility, and control than is possible with conventional techniques. The first cholecystectomy was undertaken using the Da Vinci platform in 1997. The following year, the robotic system was used to undertake mitral valve replacement. To discuss this relatively new way of approaching surgery, including the advantages and patient selection as applied to colorectal surgery, please welcome Mr. T.C. Nguyen. T.C. Nguyen, thank you very much to Everyday Medicine and for making the time to come and see me today and to sit down and have this conversation. And we're going to be talking uh, surgical matters, surgical matters. But uh, before we start to talk about robotic surgery, I wanted to go back a little in history because there's a very interesting backstory to how you got here as a surgeon. Mm. Uh, you've told me that when you were a younger man, you were um, helping your parents uh, tanning sheepskins. Which <laughs> can't say the adverts there yet. Um, to, but there's a bit before that, of course. So yeah. can, can you can you tell me uh, how how did you get into medicine and your path, your journey here today? Oh, uh, thanks, Luke, uh, for the opportunity. Um, it's an honour. And um, yes, uh, going back many many years, um, when I was about six or seven, uh, we escaped Vietnam by boat. So um, you know this all this uh, news over the last few years about boat people and refugees mm. uh, brings back memories. And I uh, certainly feel for, you know, all these people who are trying to escape uh, these uh, war-torn countries and, and, persecution. and persecutions. Um, it uh, saddens me. But uh, we escaped Vietnam and we were one of the lucky ones that uh, escaped Vietnam in one go one trip, made it through to yes. one of the islands. No typhoons. Got no typhoons. Um, got sent away from the um, one of the Thai ports with a bit of food, sent mm. off on our merry way mm. back to the sea. And then we went to, uh, were picked up by the Malaysian uh, community, uh, sent to one of the refugee camps. And I was one of four children and my sister was only a month old, believe it or not. Oh. My, my parents had the audacity to, you know, um, to send a family of four with one child who was, you know, barely um, didn't out of the sea, womb. Didn't have a sea legs. You know, and, but fortunately for her, she couldn't remember that big. For us, we could remember being shoved into the lower cabin, not seeing any daylight, and surrounded by people who were landlubbers and were thoroughly sick. So my mum was spewing up day and night, <laughs> trying to feed us instant noodle. Right. You know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, for me, it was quite a traumatic event mm. because I could remember, um, you know, the sickness, mm. uh, the suffocation. Diesel, within, diesel yes. Shocking. Yes. Mm. Um, and it seemed like an eternity, but it was only about three or four days on the sea. And we were mm. lucky. Mm. So we were lucky enough that my sister was one month old. So the Australian community mm. picked us up and said, you. we've got to get you to Australia soon. Mm. You know? Otherwise, uh, there were families who were stuck there for you know, two years, like my wife's family. Mm. They had 
encamped themselves. In, in refugee camps. Mm. Made a home for themselves for about two years before they were allowed to come to Australia. Did you come, so did you then get relocated to Melbourne? Was that? No, it was in Sydney. We oh, went Sydney. to one of the, um, the um, refugee uh, hostels in Sydney and we were there for about a year. But the only reason why we came here was because most of the relatives were relocated here after you know, a few months being on the refugee camp yeah. in Malaysia, yeah. and they came over to, to Melbourne. So we, we, when we came to Melbourne, we, um, we, 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 stayed, we stayed in um, my auntie's uh, house for a few years. And she could cook. Uh, it must have been about uh, 20 people. In the house? In the house. I remember like in sunshine. It wasn't my house, was it? <laughs> in sunshine, uh, three bedrooms. So it was uh, nice and cosy, shall we say? We we, we stayed in one bedroom. <laughs> Pre COVID. Pre COVID, exactly. <laughs> well, that, that's that's yeah. that's phenomenal. Eh? And yeah. then, did you have a yearning desire to like to pursue sciences, the sciences, and then and then medicine, yep. even from that early age? Was that something you had in your? your um, mind? I felt the inclination. The um, I felt the. Um, um, how should I put it? Um, medicine in, in an Asian uh, community culture is so important. Being a doctor is the ultimate thing you could be, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's the hardest thing to get into, and the work that you do, um, and the ability to, you know, um, to give goodness back, mm-hmm. to treat and help uh, people, mm-hmm. uh, is so important. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was instilled into us from mm-hmm. an early age. You know, mm-hmm. if you're that good, and if you could do it, um, and you're able to, then certainly medicine was the way to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if you can then give back to the community, mm-hmm. uh, that would be the ultimate prize in life. You know, and and so my my parents. Constantly, you know, worked us hard. <laughs> you study, you study, that's all you do. <laughs> and fortunately, that was before the days of computer games, <laughs> internet, <laughs> you know, like phones. This, like this machine behind me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So certainly uh, we, we didn't have much else to do other than study. Yeah, and, and, and to help in the tanning factory. Yes, but that well. came in later on when I was in university. Right. My parents worked. Yeah, at the, okay. the uh, sheepskin tannery. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I suspected that was when uh, I w- became immune to dealing with shit because <laughs> the sheepskins would come in, you know, quite dirty. <laughs> you know, I used to tan, shit. I'd tan skins when I was yes. in Cassie. They all fell apart eventually. Yeah. <laughs> and Sometimes the, I find flies or and, flyness in there. And, uh, and, and, you know, I suppose that process of... Uh, Doing that hard, monotonous work mm, mm. drove you to study. <laughs> yeah. it built, it, I'm sure it built up a resilience, mm, yeah, but also yeah. that sense of giving back is something, you know, you're very generous of heart and you're very well respected in the community for, for being so generous as a surgeon. Um, you know, and it's so nice for us to, uh, to have you in this community where, where I work. Um, in, in relation to, you know, the aspect of surgery we're talking about today, robotic surgery, um, tell us about that. What, what is it? It's said to be uh, a, a surgical technique that allows us to be more precise, more flexible, perhaps um, improve the, the discharge sort of times for patients. Um, I'm drawn to thinking about a character called Elizabeth Shaw. Have you seen Prometheus? Who She gets infected with the, um, with the alien sperm somehow, I don't know, actually know how that. we say that saying anyway, but she jumps into this time, cap, this capsule, it's yep. a robotic capsule, and, uh, and uh, she self-initiates uh, this uh, 
operation procedure and she's got to have a cesarean section and get this awful awful alien yeah. out you know sort yeah. of i'm sort of thinking of that all the time i think about robotic surgery yeah. haven't seen any aliens coming out of your surgical <laughs> uh, theaters at this stage but th- can you take us through how it works what what exactly is this da vinci <clears throat> robot that you use uh i suppose uh, we all know that we're going to be taken over by robots one day right okay so this is the stepping stone <laughs> okay <laughs> it's not fully automated um, but um, this technology has been devised by NASA or the Army somewhere in the US mm. in the hope that remote surgery would be able to be performed on Earth with yes. someone yes. on Mars. Cool. Right? So how it works, um, and as you all know, um, we've been trying to achieve minimally invasive surgery. It means keyhole surgery, it means small cut mm. to minimise uh, the risk of incisional hernias, to maximise patient recovery in terms of pain, to minimise adhesions and bowel obstructions. So in terms of robotic surgery, it's a stepping stone to what we've been doing over the last 20 years in terms of laparoscopic surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, so the da Vinci uh, is the current best form of robotic surgery. Uh, what uh, it's been developed for last since 1999 uh, when the first um, Da Vinci um, uh, ro- uh, robot came out. Since then, then, there's been a few upgrades, and the latest upgrade is what we call the XI model. Okay, uh, and uh, what it involves is uh, a uh, involves us doing the surgery on the side of the patient. So after, uh, we, after you made some incisions. So we, we enter, we put in the ports. So we prep and drape as usual. We put in the ports into the patient. Yes. We load up the, the patient cart. So there's about four arms. There's the camera arm and three working arms. Mm. We load it up. The assistant stays with the patient. We go to the side, we sit on the surgeon's console. Mm-hmm. And from there we remotely uh, utilise the three working arms mm. and the camera arm in order to get, you know, to do uh, normal surgery, uh, normal minimally invasive uh, keyhole surgery through a screen that allows us 3D vision of uh, the uh, pathology at hand. Is it better than laparoscopic? It uh, is better than laparoscopic surgery? in various ways. Um, You've got a very stable 3D camera that you as a surgeon operate and move. Uh, normally with laparoscopic surgery, your assistant would be holding the camera mm-hmm. and with the hand functioning, holding the camera, sometimes there's a bit of you know, movement and shake. Sure. So it's a very stable system. Mm-hmm. So you move the camera around and it's a 3D view. Now the working channels, the hand function You've got various instruments, including hooks and uh, scissors um, and vessel sealing devices and staplers. And the advantage of the robot over laparoscopic surgery, as I explained to patients, is that instead of working with chopsticks, okay, graspers that are almost in a 2D dimension, you've got a very uh, ergonomic use of a multi-directional instrument which is almost like your hand your finger operating inside right okay so it's moving in multi-direction 
I yeah. reckon you could catch a fly with a pair of chopsticks. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen how you operate. Yeah. <laughs> patient selection, mm. how you, what are you doing this on? So um, you're not going to do this on a penisectomy, are you? Or no, no. So setup? it's, so it's, it's an overkill. Um, as we all know, uh, bad, technology bad, bad overkill. Just an overuse of the technology. <laughs> you, you can, and I'm sure that people have, okay? And they do secectomies instead of appendicectomies <laughs> and charge a little bit more. But uh, look, um, we reserve it for more difficult colectomies. So mainly left-sided colectomies right. and rectal dissections. Okay, because they're more difficult than right-sided. You're that's working right. in a small space yep. in the pelvis and so forth. That's why you would choose it. Exactly. It, so not the right-hand side because the time used um, is prohibitive if you go with the Da Vinci at that? No, the so right um, the more and more use of the robot, uh, you become much quicker. So initially, it's one of those things which deters surgeons from um, doing it because it's an extra set of skills you have to go get trained up for, you have to learn. Mm. There's a bit of many, many hours you have to put into it. Was to become an efficient Where effort. did you go? Was that Honolulu or somewhere? No, so I went Terrible. to Seoul. <laughs> There's another patient you can go to. Unfortunately, not. Fail. Whistler. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, there's a few places you can go to, but uh, I, uh, I chose Seoul, so that was, that was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> what, at the Olympics? <laughs> uh, um, but um, no, so the, the, there are uses in right column. Uh, the company um, are pushing more surgeons to do right-sided colectomies and, uh, with intracorporeal anastomosis. M my feeling at this stage is that uh, perhaps it's an overkill to do right-sided mm. colectomies. Mm. Uh, you could do it just as easily with laparoscopic surgery, right? Okay. Just as well with the same um, kind of recovery time, which is same time as the recovery time. It, it, are there times when you have to, you know, you might think, well, like, gosh, there are too many adhesions here. Yeah. Uh, and I have to bail, you, you can't do it, perhaps? Is, are there tech, other situations yeah, yeah. where you can't do it with this Oh, well, you know... Um, method? The um, robotic surgery, um, so if there is difficult surgery that you can't do laparoscopic surgery, uh, robotic surgery is an upgrade to be able to deal with those more difficult cases. Okay, it's a So dealing with adhesions... It's a go-to method. Yes, dealing right. with adhesions is much easier robotic then it well, is why? Because open. of the precision of the instrumentation? Because of the view, 3D view you get. Okay, right. So, so it's even is... better view than open surgery because it's a close-up close up magnified view, 3D. Right, that's unbelievable. Yeah, and the ability for you to cut those adhesions is the same as open because your ability to move the instrument around is almost like your hand moving inside. But in this, you know, um, with small instruments right. than your hand. How long would it take? Let's assume there aren't any major complications. Mm. It's a left-sided, the left hemi you're doing, mm. uh, or left anterior section. How long might that take using the robotic method? So uh, at this stage, my length of uh, surgery is the same as uh, laparoscopic, if oh. not quicker. Okay. I did a uh, laparoscopic APR yesterday because I had to because the. And one of the constraints of the robot is that the robot is not really available. There's usually only one or two at any hospital. Mm. Mm. So uh, they're expensive. It's waiting. They're over expensive. A over a million dollars? Four million dollars. About three, four million dollars. Four million, okay. And it's about 10% ongoing. Then you're on, yes. <laughs> uh, maintenance fee, all right? And on top of that, you've got the costs of the instruments. 
Which have to be replaced, I guess, every time. replaced. Well, yeah. there's yeah. a use of about eight use with each right. instrument. Okay. And each instrument costs about $800, mm. and you have to use about mm. three each time. Mm. I can see that's uh, the, uh, the pundits that are looking at the bottom line are obviously thinking about that, aren't they? That's right. Well, when should yep. we use it? Yep. So you're going to use it in that? But left-sided, uh, as I was saying, um, so the laparoscopic surgery uh, that I did yesterday, I could have done better and faster with the robot. Right. The initial um, hold-up with use of the robot and the time consumption and the longer operation associated with the robot initially is because of the fact that it takes a little bit longer to be able to use any instrument uh, efficiently, proficiently, um, and to be able to dock and undock patients, mm. okay, mm. just the setup. Yeah. Yeah. But after a while, yeah. it, that becomes quite routine yeah. and quite easy. Once the protocols get yeah. worked out. Uh, just in, in terms of when you do, uh, if you do have to bail from doing this sort of operation, what would be the sort of situation in which you might, you might come to the decision that you have to now open the patient up? But when, when would that happen? I guess catastrophic bleeding might be one um, unforeseen circumstance, but... Are there many circumstances? Well, uh, fortunately, yeah, well, certainly um, if there's too much adhesions, um, you, you've got to keep it safe for the patient. Yeah. So certainly, um, yeah, any major uh, bleeding uh, that cannot be controlled, yes. you have to be able to, uh, be, uh, to use the instruments well and to be aware of your surroundings as if you were doing it an open anyway. But if you were to do it uh, robotic, then it uh, becomes a dilemma if it is that you know you have major bleeding okay sure <laughs> well what other aspects of surgery would this be applied to uh, gynecology yes yeah, so uh, um the gynecologist yeah. um uh, you mentioning urologists as well yeah so look the oh, robot surgery in future will be um going towards single port so at the moment uh, you have to make about four or five incisions yes okay yes so there's an XP model that's coming out, whereby it's almost like a, the size of a, a little bit bigger colonoscope, and out of it comes the Lots. camera and the two working arms. Yes. Okay. Uh, now that's in its infancy at the moment. It's only been developed over the last three, four years. Um, it's not uh, as robust uh, as it needs to be in order to do colectomies at this stage, but there is potential in the future, and that's the way to go, that it's going to be single site hole uh, surgery. It's great being on the cusp, isn't it, of all these inventions? Oh, yeah. Seeing new, very you know, from my perspective, seeing new medical pharmacological mm. treatments becoming available for yep. sorts of things like inflammatory bowel disease. And in your field, uh, the way technology is applied, mm. it, it's very interesting. Can you see yourself sitting in a room and operating remotely? I know that was the, perhaps mm. The, mm. The, the perspective from NASA or the military. Mm. Can you see that happening in, in this country? Maybe operating a, or giving advice uh, to a remote surgeon mm. who's maybe assisting, yep. perhaps in an Aboriginal community, yep. for example, yep. something like that. Do you think that's, that's probable? Oh, it will be. Very. I mean, you know, this is um, where it's heading towards. That's where we're going to be yeah. going. Well, that's very interesting. Um, TC, thank you very much for joining me in that discussion. I'd like to ask you as well, um, well, what do you do to have a little break from all this? Oh, this often this uh, uh, field that you're in has you up through the night. The phone calls generally are urgent. You can't just put them off yep. like I can. Uh, what do you do to recover? What do I do to recover? Uh, yes, uh, normally I do. Other uh, than drinking. <laughs> <laughs>
That's interesting. I only get to drink once a week, I think, <laughs> on a Friday or Sunday. But uh, most of the time, go home, sink in bed and just sleep. But <laughs> no. Uh, so I'd, I'd listen to music, um, yes. Spotify. Um, sometimes I listen to my son singing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, um, he's got a, uh, yes. He's, Will we hear him on The Voice in the future? No, 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 definitely not. No, no. <laughs> Pastime activity. But, uh, yes, I listen to nice, relaxing music and then uh, run, table tennis, play a bit of pool with my uh, daughter. Um, so, yes, T- reading, very rarely. TC, we have a pool table here. We're going to be, <laughs> we're going to be taking you there shortly. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with TC as much as I did. It really was a lot of fun. TC is an excellent surgeon and he's one of the new breed that epitomises how knowledge, care and skills can be applied to uh, the art of surgery. During the podcast series, we'll be covering a wide range of topics across many special interests. The discussions are not intended as specific medical advice for patients, but as general information only and reflect the opinions of the guests interviewed. Requests for new topics to be reviewed and comments about the conversation you've listened to are welcomed or maybe email to manager at gihealth.com.au.